Good morning. I am so happy to be with you this morning. I am an itinerant minister, and I spend a lot of my time at the UU Church in Santa Monica. That's what I call home these days. One of the benefits of being an itinerant minister is that I get to visit many different communities as far as I can drive. And because we have been locked in for the last two years, I have got to I have been able to go to many communities across the country by way of video and recording. The other benefit of being an itinerant minister is having an itinerant community. And I am so grateful this morning that so many of my friends have come to join the Chalice community this morning. And I want to acknowledge them, especially two people. I live in Los Angeles. I was born in Massachusetts. Most of my family is on the East Coast. And because I'm a military brat and because I've spent most of my life out here in California, I have what I call my created family, my chosen family. But this morning, there are two people who are my biological family, and they are always quick to point out I'm her real relative. And so I give thanks to my cousin Celeste and my cousin Denise, who uh, Celeste lives in Peabody, Mass., and Denise lives in Naples, Florida. So welcome. I'm so surprised to see you and so happy that you are here. Thank you all who have come this morning. It's a delight to be back with Chalice. Our reading this morning is from Howard Thurman. He writes, there is something in every one of you that waits and listens for the sound of the genuine in yourself. It is the only true guide you will ever have. And if you cannot hear it, you will all of your life spend your days on the ends of strings that somebody else pulls. Someone challenged Ernest Hemingway, a writer known for his pithy and parsimonious writing. Someone challenged him to write a story in six words. It was a bar bet. They figured he'd lose. But his response to the challenge was this. Baby shoes for sale, never worn. Sometimes the best way to be noticed is not to say more not to respond to every single thing that everyone says, but to listen, to notice what has and has not been said, and then when asked to share a few well-chosen words. Now from that story of Hemingway, a website, a book, a movement has grown. People are writing six-word stories and six-word autobiographies all over the place. You can check the internet, you will find books that are collections of six-word stories. Now, when I give retreats and there is time for reflection and introspection, I invite people to write their own six-word bios and I invite you to do that and share it with one another later. 
not six descriptive words, not just a list of words, but a six word sentence or two that tells a story. Who are you? What makes you special? What truth have you learned about yourself that makes a difference in how you relate to and engage with others? Mine is this, I was not what they expected. It's a story in six words and it is an invitation, an invitation for you to express your curiosity about what I could possibly mean. For me, it is a story of me finding my place in the world. Starting with my parents, I was not what they expected. As a girl child in a culture of alpha boys, I was expected to be quiet and docile and domesticated, not quite as smart or ambitious or demanding as the boys around me. I was not quite what they expected. Growing up as one of the few black children in predominantly white environments, I was expected to be poor, uncultured, below average in intelligence, and without any discernible talents. I was way more than they expected. As a minister, people expected me to be reserved and reverent, devout, if not holy, and eager to serve as a parish pastor. No, I said, I will be a consulting minister. That was not at all what they expected. When I was young, people saw this cute, smart kid with a lot of potential. And my early years were spent as one after another person tried to mold me into their version of who I thought I should be, sort of like Pygmalion and Galatea. The problem with Pygmalion's story is that when you breathe life into your creation, it then becomes its own thing, separate and independent from you. And one of my life tasks has been recognizing that my name is not Galatea. It is Kikanza. My persona is not like everyone else's, even if they would be more comfortable if I was. I am me. But it took me half of a lifetime to first figure that out and then to get comfortable with the reality of not being like everyone else. The irony is that we are born knowing who we are and how we are supposed to be. You can ask almost any three-year-old, why are you here? Why were you made? What is your purpose? And they will tell you. The problem is if what they say doesn't fit our sense of who they ought to be, we pressure them to change. It happens again and again throughout our lives. We work to fit in because it's just so painful to be marginalized or excluded. Yet T.S. Eliot reminds us that we shall not cease from exploration. And at the end of our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Sometimes it is hardest to find a place for yourself in your own heart. We are filled with self-doubts and recriminations. We're filled with fear of people learning what frauds we think we are, of, of saying fake it till you make it for so long, we don't even notice 
when we have surpassed our own intentions. We love giving gifts and sometimes take too much pride in our generosity, but find it difficult to be a gracious receiver. You don't have to apologize for being yourself. We teach our children to apologize. We practice forgiving one another in community, and yet we live with secrets and shame and self-recriminations, never able to forgive ourselves. We teach about the uniqueness of all people, and though we know that we have gifts differing from one another, we focus on our flaws and our shortcomings. We apologize for who we are and how we are. We strive to be better, but we never acknowledge that we started out as good. If you believe in the inherent dignity and worth of every person, then you must find your place. Find the way and the place in the world where you can be your best self, where you can be not what people think you are, not what people think you ought to be, but what the universe has called you to be. In the movie, The Greatest Showman, Keala Settle sings, This Is Me. She says, I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, because here I come, and I'm marching to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. Often, we think it is better to choose love over freedom, to be the people pleaser so more people will love us, but in the end, true love will only come and stay if you are free free to be all that you are, free to be all that you are called to be. As you use, we believe in a free and responsible search for truth and meaning about the world and about ourselves in that world. We are free to find the place in the world where we can be our best selves. Many of us spend our lives trying to be something that we're not pleasing everyone but ourselves, wishing we were attractive, more attractive, smarter, more talented, instead of recognizing what we are. Only one of you can be the oldest or the youngest or the smartest or the prettiest one in the room. If that is not you, find your place. Be the funniest, be the favorite, be the one who you fill in the blank. Find your place because there is a place for you. And if you feel like a fish out of water, maybe you need to swim in a different pond. There is a place for you. There is a community for everyone, but every community is not for everyone. It may take some work to find the place where you fit, to find the place that fits you but it is important to your dignity and worth to do that. It is part of your search for truth to find your community. What do you need? What do you want? Find your place in it. Find what you can contribute and how you can serve. And then to be your wonderful, quirky, imperfect self. Be you and be it brilliantly.